0: Namaste, welcome to the ninth episode of the Kendra Maya podcast. Today we have with us Mahavrakaya, who is also a yogi and um, just like I am, uh, part of the 17,000 year old ancient school of yoga called Trilog Akhara. We both are learning under the same guru, Guru Pashupati. Today's topic is going to be about co-creation and what does it mean and, you know, different aspects of it. Um, We are continuing this topic from the previous topic where we looked at cultivating a sense of purpose, uh, which is closely associated with uh, today's topic. So let's get started.
1: I don't on the way um so when the word when i hear the word co-creation back in the day when i used to hear this word mm-hmm. it used to piss me off i absolutely hate this word co-creation mm-hmm. oh you need to co-create co-create this co-create that i mean it's just like oh you need to eat healthy but what exactly comes under healthy eating no one tells you that you need to co-create something. you need to do get somewhere you need to co-create but then, I, then my guru started using it, and then I starting, started hating it a bit less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my first question to you, and a question for many of us here, is what exactly is co-creation, and what constitutes co-creation?
0: Okay, so co-creation uh, is a self-explanatory word. More or less. Um, So it's working with someone else to create something that involves offering value Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to yourself, to each other, but also to the world. So this is where it gets interesting because in the perspective of Himalayan yoga, it's not just an exchange of value, which could occur in any relationship, just between two people happy, they are adding value to each other's lives. And um, that's it. I mean, they think they are maybe even better than the rest of the world, they create create this protected couplet and go around like people do in romantic relationships. Mm. But yoga takes it a step further. It says that co creation is giving value uh, to the rest to do to, to a lot more people or in such a way that creates a lot of resources. And these resources could be in the just in the form of energy. So it creates a lot of energy, it moves a lot of energy. And that could be by involving a lot of other people or creating wealth, it could be any of these things, or just creating money. But money is a really limited way of looking at uh, one's impact on the world. Um, it, co-creation constitutes beyond that, it actually constitutes moving a lot of energy and yeah.
1: Mm. So, in the in the context of yoga, how does uh, how does co-creation happen? I mean, let's say I'm someone with an idea. Let's say I mean I am an actor, and I also uh, write scripts from time to time. So, I have to push an idea onto other people, but I'm not able to find the right kind of people to work with. Is it because I'm not? putting the right energy or the right intention behind it or how is it like and what can help me overcome this obstacle that is in front of me the obstacle of finding more people to work with
0: yeah so uh, Guru Pashupati says that co-creation is uh, something as little as inviting someone over for dinner or going out for dinner with them or anything as little as that so asking yourself what Can I co create with another person today? So, you can ask this question to yourself every day, right? And that's Mm -hmm. like the starting point. Um, So, proud people can do that as a starting point. And at the core of asking this question is going beyond oneself. So, going beyond I, me, myself, and mine orienting oneself towards the others and asking oneself okay what can i co-create with this person in a way that is beyond myself so that means okay i'm not looking for just selfish gains but also um i i know what the other person wants hmm. and i know i can give this to them and so let's do that oh. and so it's a basically a win-win situation it is it is
1: yeah. uh, pretty well yeah. put out yeah so yeah, I mean that's a good analogy you posted. Just inviting someone to dinner. What happens during and beyond dinner is up to the individual parties to decide, correct? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And you won't yeah. always find the right people to have dinner with, so you need to maintain certain certain levels of energy
0: mm-hmm.
1: to attract the right kind of people, so you can co-create yeah. and. Create something of lasting value mm-hmm. that you otherwise can't do by yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the universe is, it's, it's, one cannot really start manifesting stuff because manifestation doesn't really work. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's a lot about putting the effort behind manifestation, like actually putting the hours in and doing the skill upgrade that one needs, that one wants to have in life. And, yeah. That is how that's connected to cooperation in the sense that we are going to attract our own energy. Like, so if we are directed towards something, if we are aligned, our energy is like a magnet. If we are kind of aligned towards a certain certain sense of purpose, then on our way to that purpose, as we are walking along, we will meet other people who want to go there too. So then we will attract those people, and we will attract similar people. Yeah. But-
1: exactly. So as you, know, as you put it, I will take that in uh, in, in context of uh, working films, because uh, not everyone is going to be onboarded onto your idea. Mm-hmm. But if you start out with the intention of making something bigger than yourself, mm-hmm. you'll draw in people who would want to co-create with you on this path. Mm-hmm. So that is the deal, though. I mean... Some of the greatest films were just uh, a bunch of people put together mm-hmm. with, this, so with this whole idea of doing something which is bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge, however, is how to get into that state of energy, which is my next question, though. How does one, I mean, for instance, let's say someone has a great idea, but is unable to source the right people for his or her ideas. Yeah. How does one get into the state where one can attract other people?
0: Yeah, so there is a simple question that you can ask in this case as well. To attract someone to co-create, I mean, we've already done this um, where we de- when we decided to co-create this podcast. I mean, oh, yeah. We, yeah, so we asked, um, you know, I don't know who asked who, but basically the, 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 I think I just, I think
1: I just barged in. I said, yeah. I was kind of like,
0: yeah, naturally. Yeah. So, but the two aspects of that kind of invitation was, what is the cost and what is the benefit? Right?
1: Yeah.
0: So when, when, when I would, so if I invite someone to co-create, I would, uh, it should cost me nothing. And it should benefit me a lot. And also to the other person. It should cost them nothing. And it should benefit them a lot. Mm. So and then you take these two things and make it clear to them what these two are. And, and don't don't make already a hundred percent prepared invitation and go to the person, but instead, you know, you can leave it out for you know room for improvement because you can also get feedback yeah. from the other person. And you just go to the person and then you glamorize your invitation. You have to make it glamorous because
1: yeah. You have to make
0: a sexy invitation. Somebody or exactly. Needs to
1: say, you need yeah. to know how to sell that thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> someone,
1: yeah, well, Yeah, you need to sell that thing though to the other person.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. It has to sound glamorous. It has to sound really sexy to work with you or me or whatever. That's uh, <laughs> otherwise it's not gonna sell, <laughs>
1: right? Yep. Yeah. So. It has to sound sexy though, for sure. The next podcast, I'll take my shirt off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, would, that was not part of the contract <laughs> yeah okay so yeah that's the thing we, we usually like to uh, tell our customers you know what what is it going to cost you and what benefits are you going to get but we don't usually tell the people that we are going to work with or that we are inviting what is it going to cost them like maybe mm-hmm. it's just going to cost them their time and some energy. And maybe it's just gonna cost me my some of my time and energy. And then in the end, whatever, you know, whatever we do together, if we make something together, then if that gets sold to the whole world, then we, you know, divide the income from that. So that's that's one way of co-creating that is followed a lot in some places.
1: And also our girl Pashupati focuses on the aspect of not having a set contract, which is the most glorious and beautiful thing I've heard from him is like if you find the right kind of people to work with, you don't need contracts. Verbal agreements uh, suffice, they're modern enough. You don't need to have endless paperwork and endless red tape. Because that's when that's when the whole process kind of mechanizes itself and it's, it's not organic anymore. Mm. Of course, it's good to have a set contract. I mean, let's say you're working for a company. A corporations don't care about you, let's yeah. be honest. Businesses don't care about you. They're just there to juice you out and toss you out. So it's good to have a contract for a chore. But when it's your own personal idea about you wanting to make a difference or you wanting to change the world, and you find other people who share the same passion a contract might never be the best idea to go about it. Yes, you can have certain guidelines and rules, but the inclusion of a contract per se just, just mechanizes the whole process. I know I might sound a bit off saying this, but that's what I've uh, understood. I mean, I started a business when I was like 23 years old, 22, 23 during that time. It was just me and one of the dude I used to know and there was no contract. We just agreed to split the bill. It worked quite fine. It worked fine enough until we didn't know how to run it.
0: <laughs>
1: and then We had to just dispose it all. So yeah, would well, you want to stress more about the aspect of uh, conscious co-creation without the need for something? as pressing as a checklist of rules.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess the the reason people want to have a contract, especially with in relation to companies, is because the company isn't really asking you your opinion. The company really doesn't ask the employee's opinion on a lot of decisions that it takes.
1: They don't give a fuck. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, precisely. So then, why, then it makes sense because there is like only a one-way kind of information flowing. And so then there's a lack of trust. Mm. But if information flows both ways, then there is trust. And then there need not be so many of these red tape related written agreements. And, I mean, it's a matter of trusting. And trust is only existing in an individual towards other people when they first trust themselves. And also yeah. are not in this uh, sort of quagmire in their whole internal struggle of I, me, myself and
1: yeah
0: making their own, getting their own survival needs met. I mean, this is where most kind of a lot of people are stuck at, uh, even if they have a job and even if they have, um, you know, or, you know, clothing, <laughs> clothing shelter and food, that was our Hindi so, only shelter and food, uh, people have that and they have a company that they work for, but they don't feel included in it. And so, even though they have these things, they still feel that they are in this survival mode with their head really far up their ass. What you right. call the cranio rectal
1: cranio-rectal something. I mean, absorption. absorption. Yeah. When your head is so far up your ass. You know that the absorption takes place
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes yes yeah like you can't see anything except your own internal organs right can't see you only see yourself you see yourself through your ass instead of applying your brain or applying your heart so that's that's the thing right in yoga we have these three layers three major divisions of the nervous system and we know that there is a nervous system in the intestines called the enteric nervous system which forms the animal mind and then we have uh, the heart cardiovascular related nervous system which neuroscience has uh, any kind of western science western nomenclature doesn't consider the heart a brain but in yoga we do consider it as a place where a lot of nerves go and take a lot of uh, important input into the brain and then of course we have the central nervous system. So we have the animal mind, then we have the human mind, and then we have the, sort of the higher mind, which is yeah. over here. And most exactly. of us are, you know, with the CRA problem, our head up our ass, we are actually living at the animal mind. Zone,
1: which yeah, because we're just running on pure animal survival instinct stuff. Which is what, I mean, which is the one thing yoga does address it's like you have to evolve from a kashtu to a to a realized mind yeah that's where yoga helps i mean which is my gripe against the westernization and bastardization of yoga
0: mm-hmm.
1: the whole the the, the aspect of uh, spiritual realization is lost in the west mm-hmm. the, you can copy the textbook asanas okay you can breathe all day, but if you don't, if you don't transmit the concept of how to have how to have a realized mind and how to be a realized individual, then you're basically not teaching yoga. You're just teaching them facets of it. That's the what whole point. Them? I mean, sorry, teaching them just facets of it, like breathe, breath work, breath work, like. Asanas like bread work, I mean they're not yoga per se, they're just tiny fragments yeah. that the Western uh, that the Western civilization just conveniently happened to pluck from the eastern civilizations. Yes. So like you said, everything has a mind of its own. Your body isn't just being being won by the brain.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, that is already quite clear in neuroscience that we have nerves everywhere. And data is collected from each and every part of the body and sent to the brain.
1: Yeah.
0: And but most Yeah, that's, that's something that a lot of people don't know that the body collects data through the nerves from each and every part, like the fingernails, the back of your ear, your nose, your hair. Mm. And, And this sense of feeling if one has, uh, one is getting all this data, but one is not able to do anything with it. One is constantly in fear, and one experiences that fear. Every single cell in the body experiences that fear.
1: Exactly, because- and when you procreate, you you transmit the fear to the offspring as well.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: I did hear this from one of the experts that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're constantly in survival mode,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or not, don't quote me on this. I'm just relaying it from the expert. Mm-hmm. Then the chances your offspring would have anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's an altogether different talk.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because that's how generational trauma is passed yeah. on from like from my grandmother to my mother to me. And they they have, uh, I mean, I think they have, yeah, they've done research on this and I I can't remember which papers right now, but um, they have found out that colonialism, for example, has had an effect on all the generation that were involved in it. And people like in our generation are also experiencing um, the fear and the traumatic aspects of it. And also with relation to world wars, how people in the current generation also have taken forward that trauma from their ancestors.
1: Yeah. Because
0: yeah, little...
1: when you're, I mean, your, your whole body undergoes trauma. It's not just restricted to your mental sphere, your cells. I mean, your organs, they all fall prey to that unaddressed address trauma. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you can only pass on what you have, kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the whole concept of generational trauma stems from the fact that a traumatized parent Mm
0: -hmm.
1: passes on that trauma to the offspring Mm -hmm. sometimes. And that's where, that's how things go for them, though. I mean, that someone needs to just. In order to break the trauma, one needs to unlearn everything that they've uh, been given at times. Because
0: yeah.
1: the way yeah. I view the world at 2031 30, right now, I viewed it completely, but I didn't view it the same way like five years back. So, like I said, I mean, my ingress into the world of yoga has just been about unlearning.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe I haven't even gotten close to learning about yoga. Maybe I'm just unlearning all the, all the things that I need to unlearn to be worthy of learning yoga. To yeah. be worthy of co-creating in this bigger movement. Yeah. Which brings me to one more question that I have. Okay. So let's say co-creation yeah. in the form of a relationship. A person mm-hmm. and their partner. So, we've spoken about this in the previous podcasts as well. That it's about learning skills. Yes. Co-creation. So, how does does uh, co-creation as a skill have to be learned in order to progress a relationship forward? Does one mm-hmm. have to learn co-creation as a skill per se?
0: For progressing relationship, so it depends on what kind of relationship it is. Mm-hmm. Um, according to yoga, um, it's really, especially at the Triloka Khara, we all, it's one, one thing that the Nath yogis have, uh, and the yogis, especially at Triloka Khara have is this internal voice, which is the voice of the conscience this is what we should have already come in contact with so we all have Mm -hmm. this and so technically we're in contact with it at all times and it's usually screaming at us when we're about to do something stupid but this is one of the things one should be at least able to have inner silence then that any relationship that we get into we know what is right and what is wrong because then we are in touch with ourselves I and mean, with our conscience then mm. we make the right choices instead of being uh, kind of pulled in one direction or another direction right yeah and yeah i think that that's kind of a foundation to uh, to uh, being able to serve others because mm. uh, to serve others one has to be able to um prioritize that enough that even the relationship is uh, not, I mean, the relationship is only as valuable as the co-creation, right? So if if the person doesn't want to co-create anymore, then the person who has this voice, they know that they can find another option. This is something that they know because options abound because their purpose and their action that is connected to the purpose of serving others, it it has a higher place of existence and so they know yeah. that there are other people that they could work with and it's not going to just terminate based on another person's whims yeah,
1: yeah. that is so true though I mean which kind of brings me to this uh, this analogy that I often make between uh, life and jiu-jitsu <laughs> uh, whenever you're drilling jujitsu, you learn the most when you have a partner who co-creates with you Mm-hmm. or when you're drilling you give some you take some
0: mm-hmm. it turns
1: into a beautiful dance otherwise it's just uh it's just a clash of egos otherwise yeah yeah
0: because
1: you need to find someone i mean and co-creation should be effortless mm-hmm. with the right person be it whatever theater partnership be it a business connection, be it a romantic relationship, but oftentimes we just need to to cultivate the skills of inner silence mm-hmm. to be able to find the right person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. This clash of egos. That's something that happens a lot um because a lot of us have been taught to co- to compete since we were kids like the whole mark hmm. system and the scoring system is all about competition and not co-creation so from childhood yeah. we were taught this and i mean a whole bunch of kids in school they go there to study and that's a pretty isolated activity so we already oh, isolated yeah. and then a it, bunch just of gets
1: yeah. it just gets i mean It's good to compete at certain levels, but it shouldn't just be the overall driving factor Mm
0: -hmm. of
1: learning because with a competitor's mindset, you'd never be able to co-create. I mean, you can have healthy competition within that Mm co-creation because that's what's encouraged. That's Mm -hmm. good for the mind and good for the body. when When there's certain obstacles, you are able to overcome
0: mm-hmm.
1: but if that's just the soul driving factor
0: mm-hmm.
1: then you'll be a loner it's no co-creation there's just solo creation and we all know how solo creation doesn't really I mean there, there's some wonderful solo creators on this planet but even they need other people to push their creations through
0: yeah. Yeah, they probably have a partner that is invisible, so that partner is not in the public space. Right. Yeah. Their partner is helping them, otherwise it's impossible to do everything by oneself. And and this is one of the ways to get out of this pursue state or the state of being in an your animal mind all the time. Once you orient yourself towards another person and want to serve others, because you care about them. And just think yeah. about the person you care about, and that's the kind of those are the kind of people that you could help with whatever value you have to offer as a human being. So that's like the basic minimum to be a human is to co-create. Mm. That's what.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No one's self-made at the end of it all.
0: We're <laughs> <laughs> no. all isolated though now but artificially. Yeah. yeah, heavily
1: atomized by society, but yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's yeah, we're just moving with the times, and sometimes it doesn't happen in that in the way we're wanting to move. This is why we need certain spiritual traditions, or you need a mentor or a coach mm-hmm. to bring you back to that state of oneness with yourself so you can find. People to create things with. Yeah, yeah, creation is
0: yeah. a beautiful, extremely fulfilling.
1: You know, it yeah, it is fulfilling though. Creation is fulfilling for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Thank you so much for your for your take on co-creation. It helped me answer all of my questions, okay. and I hope the viewers and the listeners. Can extract a lot of information out of this podcast.
0: Yeah, well, I hope so too. Um, thank you for joining us and for your awesome questions. Thank you for um, having me here. Pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for listening, all those who are watching and listening. Uh, if you liked uh, the episode, then please drop a like uh, or comment or share the video of course and definitely subscribe to the channel because we are gonna be you know
1: co-creating
0: yeah Yeah, we're gonna be co-creating a lot more as the as time runs uh and of course please do also rate the Spotify and Apple podcasts in on these platforms please also rate the Kinder My podcast if you liked the show. All right, see you next time.